Houston, we are go for launch in T-minus 30 seconds. Every day I become a better operator. Whatever it is, and it happens. Why? Because I don't take time off. We are green on all engines, sir. I only knew one way, and I knew the right way. Initiating launch countdown. 10, 9, 8, 8, 8 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 1, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1, we have a really exciting guest on. He's actually known as the East Coast Victor, uh, Mr. Russell Kerr, man. Thanks for joining me. How are you doing? What's up, dude? I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Hell yeah, man. You know, we were, we were just having a little chat offline and, and talking about each other's businesses. And and it's really cool to see someone, you know, obviously he's actually from a different trade than me, uh, but we started our business at the same time. He started his, his plumbing business about four years ago uh, in 2018. I started my HVAC business in 2018. Both of us were top performers in what we did. He was a top performing uh, plumbing salesman. I was a top performing HVAC salesman. And so it's kind of cool to see the similarities, man. But let's jump into your story a little bit. Talk about, you know, you said you've been in the industry about 20 years. So let's kind of backtrack from there, how you got into it, and then kind of leading up to where you are now with the, growing such a fantastic business. Cool, dude. Um, so I got in the industry in 1999. I quit high school when I was 15 years old. I got my GED. As soon as I got the GED, I was right around 16. So I was able to drive to work, started like landscaping up in Northern Virginia, which was like a two hour commute every day and did that for, you know, about a year or so. My buddy uh, graduated a couple of years ahead of me. He uh, was already at a plumbing shop in Alexandria, which is, you know, up in uh, right outside of DC. And, um, and so he was like, Hey man, come up here and be a helper. we got a spot open up. I was like, sweet. So that's probably got a better future than digging holes. So <laughs> then I went to go do plumbing and I was digging holes cause I was on the sewer crew. So, um, you know, so I worked some sewer crew stuff for a while, you know, worked myself up, fell into service. I really loved it. I loved, uh, bouncing around all day long and interacting with customers and all that kind of thing. Really loved that. Um, it was old school back then, man. A lot of things have changed. Um, like I said, I was 1999, uh, about 2010, I got in with a real company, as I like to call it, a company that kind of focuses on customer service and and uh and pays their guys well and just like a modern kind of company is the first one i'd ever worked for um so i, I kind of got my feet wet there learned that they ended up selling out to ars that turned into a big shit show so uh, uh, sounds about right <laughs> <laughs> sounds about like ars yeah meat grinders what my business coach calls it a meat grinder so uh, i didn't stay around there too long for they cut the pay bad when they took over they cut the pay so bad it was just brutal um but then I kind of bounced around a little bit, ended up at uh, my first Nexstar company in 2014. Uh, that was an eye-opening experience. I really enjoyed that, man. It was like, it was really, really incredible uh, being able to actually uh, have weekly trainings and have processes and, and all these different things that exist at like, you know, well-run companies. So that was pretty cool, man. Um, so I did that uh, from 2014. Uh, and, and, and my whole career, man, I'm always like, where's this next step? Where's the next step of success? Where's the next step? You know, and, and, and by the time you've been in the truck for 15 years, man, you're like, man, what's next? What is next? You know, so I was talking to my former employer and uh, being the top performer that I was, he was uh, he was like, well, you know, why don't you, you know, sell HVAC equipment? I was like, all right, sounds cool, dude. Let's sell HVAC equipment. So, you know, uh, 2017, I started uh, as a comfort advisor. And um, did about a million in revenue 
between, uh, uh, you know, early in the year, about February is when I took the position, um, and then came out of that position about September because then he put me back in the plumbing truck because, uh, you know, for various reasons, um, the shoulder season and HVAC and no, nobody was making any money in plumbing either. So it's like, he was like, Hey, I want you to keep making a paycheck. I was like, well, cool, whatever, dude, it is what it is. So, um, did that. And then, you know, 2017 concluded and HVAC sales is a grueling schedule, man. It's grueling because like, oh, yeah. You know, you got to go climb around in attics at six o'clock because that's the only time they can be home. And now they want estimates on four systems, and it just it's it's grueling, dude. You know, and yeah. and by and by the time and by the time that the year wrapped up, um, I was like, man, I made the same freaking money that I would have made if I just had just been in the plumbing truck all all year, man, because I had a cush freaking schedule, dude. Because I was the top performer. And here's the thing: not only was I a top performer. But I was the best freaking employee anyone has ever seen, dude. Like I run every process to a T. Like I, I produce, I generate the most reviews, I sell the most memberships. You know, you put a goal in front of me, and I'm gonna freaking crush it every time, dude. You know, you, and you I sure was, you don't want to come work for me? Come on. <laughs> you know, and I was like, I was like, I mean, it's just wasn't even worth it. You know, because I used to be able to call my own shots in a sense, man. Because I, you yeah. know. Uh, I'd, I'd bang three grand a day and I'm heading home at one, one, two o'clock. Let, let, let the rest of the guys ground out calls for a $300 average till six o'clock tonight. Like I'm done. I made my money, you know, that's the kind of schedule I was on, you know? Um, well, well, you, you said, you said you started out at a old school company. Can you kind of elaborate what you mean by an old school company? Oh boy. Oof. So Cause I think um, there's, I think there's still some <laughs> old school companies today in the modern day. So we got to talk about that. Call them out a little bit. And yeah. See. Old school, man, where it's just all about, well, you know, back then it was 1999. There was no Google, you know, there was no Google. There was no reviews or anything like that. It was just like, you know, word of mouth in a sense or the phone book or whatever. Um, but it was all about volume. It was all about like how many calls can you run in a day, you know? And back then I've always been a top performer. I mean, even back then I was running eight, 10 calls a day, banging two water heaters a day and, and just banging calls out, you know, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, you know? Um, you know, you might make two grand doing that, but you know, but, but then once you finally learn that you can make three grand or more on one call and be done at noon, like that's just, it's, it's, it's a totally different way of doing it. And the customers are way happier. It's weird. It's a weird thing, man. Customers are way happier when they spend a lot of money. It's a, it's a weird thing. It, it is crazy. And, and one of the things, the conversation I have with guys all the time, right? Because in summertime, right? Everybody's so busy rushing through these calls or just trying to get to the next one. You know, they might have a 10 or 11,000 average ticket. But in the springtime, they got a fifteen or sixteen thousand dollar average chicken. I had the conversation with them. I said, "Do you know why you're selling more in the spring than you are in the summer? Why your average chicken's higher?" And everybody has this common misconception. I made a video on it the other day that in the summertime you have your highest closing percentage and all this stuff. And and if you actually run the numbers, it's actually the opposite. Your closing percentage goes down, but your volume goes up. So you're selling mm -hmm. more at a lower average or a lower average chicken, a lower closing percentage. And the reason is is because you don't have the time to love the one you're with. And if you guys, if I'm a business owner and I'm, I'm the opposite of the old school guy, right? I'm like, if my guy runs two calls a day and he sells two $20,000 plus systems, I'm happy. Go home, enjoy yourself, right? Take yep. your three, four hours on your call and bring me back the average chicken because it's all about you. How much money am I spending to get that lead? How much am I spending to get you out there? And how much money am I bringing back per lead rather than volume? I don't want to, if I had a thousand dollar average ticket, but I had to run a hundred calls to get it, I'd much rather have a 50, you know, 50, 50 calls at a $3,000 average ticket. You know what I mean? Exactly. And we, 
And I feel like that's like one of the big things that I've always tried to preach to guys. And I feel for some reason, even I think on the East Coast, I feel like it's a little bit different. Like for some reason, I think like the East Coast guys can't get it through their head that they don't have to run seven, eight calls a day. Is that, is that something you guys have in the water out there? What's the what's the issue with that? I don't know, man. There's a lot of backwards people out, out in this area, man. Like, you know, it's just it's just like the old school way of doing business. But not a lot of, I don't know, it's like, I don't know, a lot's changed. And a lot has converted over into the kind of the new, new modern way to, to run a service call and whatnot. Um, but there's just still a lot of the old school stuff going on. I mean, back in the day, man, I'd come in the office at two o'clock, you know, and the, and, the, uh, and the boss man and other guys are sitting around drinking beer, you know, in the office, you know, yeah. <laughs> or, or they're at the strip or they're at the strip club or whatever. I mean, it was just it was crazy back then. You know, guys are freaking drinking beer during the day, like, you know, getting beers at lunch and smoking reefer and all kinds of shit. It was wild. man. It was like the, it was like the Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think I think obviously now that we know the the amount of money that can be made, like you're seeing that these guys that were back in the, maybe 20 years ago would have been doing that are now like businessmen, right? Like like someone like yourself or someone like me, like back in the day, I probably would have been like those guys. But now it's like, hey, I know what the opportunity is there. And I, that's something I try to hammer into guys is like, dude, we have an opportunity of a lifetime to make money, to be able to change our families' lives, our lives for and probably multiple generations' lives if we can get our shit together and put a little focus in it. Um, so you went from an old school company, went to a, another Nexstar company. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, you know, obviously I love Nexstar. I think they have a great organization and everybody that I talk to that's in part of the Nexstar organization, they have great companies, right? You go in there, they're the run, they're run. You know, we were talking about offline. Like if I'm going to go buy a company, I'd love to go buy a Nexstar company because they already have the processes. They usually have good people. They have really trained, well-trained people. And usually the owner isn't the person that's necessary to be there. Like they can operate without the owner. Can you kind of talk and elaborate a little bit what that's been like? Yeah, it's awesome, man. Um, you know, and it's not really so much Nexstar in a sense, but Nexstar just gives you the tools to use, but it really comes down to the leader of the company, you know? Um, the way I have my company set up is it, it basically runs itself, man. I don't really need to be here a whole lot. You know, I basically focus on the profitability um, and everything else is handled. You know, I train the guys. I focus on the profitability of the company and uh, and just the day to day stuff is handled, man. Like, you know, you can't say just, that that you can't say that dirty word on, on air, bro. That dirty <laughs> word is profit. Right. And <laughs> and a, a lot of do, is it it's it's weird to me that so many people in our industry are scared to talk about profit. Mm -hmm. It's because they don't have any. It's because they don't have any. That's what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because every, everybody wants to gloat about their, their top line and all this other stuff, but but they're probably pulling a 2% net and they're freaking out and they're sitting here like they're sitting here like micromanaging all these KPIs because they're pulling their freaking hair out because they're fucking broke. You know what I mean? Like, and I've, I've been there, man. Obviously, I went into hyper growth mode and, and grew really fast. And before I didn't have the processes and checks and balances and all that stuff in place. All I was worried about was revenue because if I didn't bring any more revenue and I couldn't pay my bills, even though I was robbing Peter to pay Paul. Mm -hmm. And once I changed it and I, and I changed my, my core values in my business, my top core value in my business is profits. Because without profits, we got no business. We can't take care of our customers. We can't take care of our employees. We can't grow the business, right? And once I changed that mindset in my business where we're not scared to talk about profits anymore, then everybody talked about it. Even my sales guys, they'll call me like, hey, hey, can you run the numbers on this to make sure the gross profit is going to be there on this job? And when yeah. you can get your employees to start caring about the gross profit and caring about how much money the company makes, then you're going to see that that light bulb will go off. And all of a sudden you're going to start making double digit profit numbers. And that's what it's been like for me. Are you open like that with your employees? Do you talk 100%, about percent, 100 percent, 100 percent. I mean, we'll 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 have uh, we'll have meetings where I'll just go over what all goes into the direct expenses. You know, it's like 
just so that because you know anyone from the outside looking in will see victor doing 20 million dollars a year like that dude's making a fortune you know or or the next guy down the road doing 20 million dollars you know, that guy's making a fortune but what they don't know is is they don't see the books man just because a guy's making 20 million dollars doesn't mean he's got anything on the bottom you know yeah most of these guys are pulling their freaking hair out because they don't have any money you know yeah um so of sure. course man you know it's like all my guys are are, are hyper focused on like you know what the material cost percentage is on a job you know and that sort of thing and and they all know where that number needs to be in order for us to actually make money and they all understand that the business has to make money in order for them to have the pto that they want in order for us to have the christmas bonuses and the nice parties and everything else that we do i mean i do so many things for my people man you know and and they all know that the profit's got to be there in order to do those things so I had a I had a meeting with my install department last week, and it was actually you know Michelle came in and she was she was with me, and she we both kind of broke it down because the install department thinks like, oh I can take an extra day on this job, or they're they're not no. you know, they weren't they weren't rushing. We showed them the true cost of them carrying a one day job into two days, yeah. and you know we're lucky to make you know fifteen thousand dollar job. We're lucky to make two three thousand dollars at the bottom or whatever it yeah. is. But when my when my when my uh, gross profit per or per my money per crew day all of a sudden is another three thousand my overhead is we go to the next day we add that in we're like we're negative the second exactly we hit that. And then and then exactly. we're not able to do that we're not able to do that next fifteen thousand dollar job so now we're negative probably fifty sixty thousand dollars because they carried over for two hours under the next day exactly and we broke so my installers think we're making all this money but when i broke it down to them they actually changed their mindset they're like oh yeah. shit i said look i want to take care of you guys i want to make sure you have work year round i want to make sure to have this but i can't have that unless we don't make money now this is where we make our money and then in the off season i can carry you guys and float you because we made so much money in the summer but if we fuck up the summer we ain't making no we ain't gonna have the money to carry you guys year round and make sure you guys always have work and and that's the kind of the culture i built is that we're super open about everything yep yeah, me too, man. That's that's so important because, you know, guys have to understand and just employees in general just have to understand that, you know, there's overhead that's got to be covered. And like you're talking about uh, carrying an install over. Well, you know, my my sole day is about thirty five hundred bucks, you know, and if I and if I got to roll that over to to a day two of a job that was only bid for one day, well, now that kills the profitability because now there's another thirty five hundred dollars worth of overhead in that job. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, yep. And I'll get, the, you know, so people just they don't understand that kind of stuff, man. Well, I think that's the importance too. Like if you guys are listening to this and you guys are a business owner, maybe you're starting out, maybe you're, you're you know, maybe you're even already into it, but you can't figure out why you're not making money. A lot of the times it comes down to actually understanding your overhead, right? Most people do not understand what their daily overhead is, right? They do not. And if, and if you don't understand what your daily overhead is, you don't have a target to aim at to be able to make sure you're hitting it. It's like, I know, I know exactly what day of the month when I'm pacing, I know exactly when I hit my, my overhead for the month and everything after that is in the green, right? So I already know I can turn it up, but without knowing that you might be going into the last week of the month and not realize you need to hit certain amounts every day, or you're not going to hit profit that month. And then they run their, also they run their P and L by the, probably get their P and L probably the middle of the month. If they're lucky, half these companies, yeah. I run my, I get my P and L daily. I got a daily and I got a weekly one. Every, every Wednesday I have my P and L needs to be up to date. Right. Dude, me I too. Can't, I can't run my business without it. No, dude. My, <laughs> I talked to so many people, man, that like I talked to so many business owners, man, that don't even have access to their QuickBooks file. Like how how are you even in business without access to your QuickBooks file? Like, you know, or 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 they say, oh, well, let me let me ask my uh, accountant for 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 a report out of cert, out of QuickBooks. It's like, how do you, you I, I can go in my damn QuickBooks right now, click on it and click anything I need to click. It's right there. I've got the tab always open on my computer, dude. And not only that, it's always on my phone. I check it constantly on my phone. 
Like it's everywhere, dude. I'm I'm immersed in my numbers, and that that's the job of the that's the job you know, of the business you know, owner. Do you know why? It's because you're making money. So I remember when I wasn't making money, I didn't even want to look at my fucking bank account. Yeah, I was so scared. I was scared to look at my bank account. I was scared to look at anything. I didn't want to look at how much payroll. Me too. Was be. I, I was there in the beginning, dude. The first two years, I was freaking out, dude, because I was growing this business. I had like barely any cash in the bank, dude, and it was freaking scary, dude. I used to lay lay awake at night, like freaking out, man. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I remember because I would I would payroll would come my my person would be like hey. We got to make payroll. I'm like, fuck. I had, I was using my own personal credit cards or whatever it was, Damn. and like maxing those things out to be able to make bills. And a lot of people, you know, they don't like they they're doing that, but they don't change. Like you, there is another side of this business. There is a reason why private equity wants to get in this space. There is a reason why there's a, this industry is creating multi multi millionaires. It's because they they decided one day that they're no longer going to lose money. Mm -hmm. We're no longer going to operate my business. I'm getting paid for everything I do. My trucks are not moving unless I'm getting paid yeah. and I have to make yeah. money on the back end from it. So once you realize that it, it's massive. So before all that though, let's go ahead and start out. So four years ago, you decided to have an entrepreneurial seizure and start Culpepper. How, how did that come about? What finally pushed you over the edge? What finally made you make that decision? Um, what finally pushed me over the edge uh, was when 2017 concluded, uh, I got my W2. I knew what I made, but still when W2 comes in in January, it like solidifies like, man, like, you know, I made the same money in the plumbing truck. I was like, this isn't the right situation for me anymore. You know, like I got to do something else. I never planned on leaving that company. I loved that company. I loved the people. The owner was awesome. Everything was awesome about that company. I loved it, but there was nowhere to go because there was this philosophy that existed with, with the ownership there that technicians can't be managers and technicians can't go anywhere in the company because they like to tinker with their hands. They like to build things and see you know, all this BS you know what I mean? So there was roadblocks put up. I couldn't go anywhere or do anything. And at that point, I realized, like, I just got to go on my own. If I'm going to get where I need to be in life, I need to just tackle this thing on my own and start my own thing. So I was uh, living in Culpeper, which is like an hour south, you know, because uh, you're probably not too familiar with this area. But we have we have D.C. and then we have Northern Virginia. And then we have, uh, you know, and then and then you have the rural Virginia, everything else. Right. So I'm in rural Virginia commuting into northern Virginia because that's that's where the work is, in a sense. Um, and there's this philosophy that their belief that exists in this area that you got to go up north to make any money because that's where the money is. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start a freaking company and freaking royal ass Culpepper. And I'm going to create an amazing company that's going to be an amazing place to work for all these amazing people that live down here and drive right past Culpepper every day on the way to north on the way to Northern Virginia. You know what I mean? I said, it can be done and I'm going to freaking do it. You know, because what I noticed was, what I noticed was that uh, customers in this area were calling companies from out of town. They were calling companies from Northern Virginia to get a certain level of service that they could not get here. Because in this town, before I started, it's just old school, man. And people are operating like it's 1987, you know, paper invoices and just beelining on the angle stop and changing it, walking out with 80 bucks you know, and not providing any level of service to the customers. So it was very, very simple, dude. I just like, you know, all you got to do is go to Google and type plumbers and call pepper. And before I came here, the, 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 the top company had like 15 reviews and like a 4.2 star or some BS. So, and it's like, so, and it's like, that's easy, dude. All I got to do is get to the top of Google, have the most reviews within two weeks. I got 30 reviews. Boom. I'm, I'm freaking number one, dude, you know, and just built it from there. And in one of the things that you know, if you listen to what he said, Google is king, right? Don't don't Google's king. a lot of guys a lot of guys come 
come to me and I'm like, one of the biggest mistakes I made starting my business is I did not focus on Google. I didn't have an LSA for two and a half, almost three years. I didn't have, I wasn't ranking my Google. My business was like crap, complete garbage. I focused everything on Yelp and social media and all these other things. I didn't realize the money's in Google, right? Like once you start dominating Google, like now, now I'm getting 20, 30 X most of the time, most months on Google and dominating it. Like you're showing up everywhere. Cause that's all I give a shit about now. And that's massive. So one of the big questions I always get asked, right? And because, you know, you've grown your business, you've been very successful. Same, same with me. I've grown my business. How much money did you start out with? What was the, what was day one for Culpepper? Oh, geez, man. I was, I had, uh, so I got my tax return. So we're, we're, we're talking about, I got my W2 in January. I was like, yeah, that's ain't for me. Started my business in February Turned, you know, um, I got my tax return. It was like five, I had like five grand in the bank. Um, you know, it was just kind of, I went and bought a new, a, a new van. It was like a, this $28,000 Chevy Express van. It was like $454 a month. It was cheap, but it was, you know, I don't believe in buying junk. And that's the other thing. We started a company. You got to present yourself as if you're larger than you really are. You want the customer to believe that you're a big established company because that gives the customer yes. confidence, right? Jeez. You don't you, you, you don't want to be riding around in a pickup truck with jeans and a t-shirt because you just started out and you don't have any money. You got to at least present your company on a silver platter like, like, like we're a larger, well-established company, you know? So that's what I did from day one was I presented myself like I was a larger, more established company. And when they looked me up on Google, I've got this big presence with all these reviews, a flashy website, like, you know, and that's the thing with business, dude. It's like success has been laid out. It's a blueprint. So many people have done it just, you know, so I was just mimicking what I've done for so many years in the field. You know, with getting the with the Google reviews and everything else, it's not hard. It's, it's, it's called R and D, baby. Robin duplicate. It's already been done. <laughs> like, let's figure it out. But that, yeah. so if you guys, if you guys took one thing from that, that is the same exact way I operated my business from day one. Is I acted as if I acted as if I already belonged. I act, I had my trucks. Yeah. I had, you know, I had logos on my trucks right away. I didn't buy shitty trucks. I put my guys in uniform right away. Day one, I acted like I was the bigger business. And I remember yeah. I showed up my first call. I ran. And I just put, I just created my Yelp account and all of a sudden I got my first call and I'm like, oh shit, like, here we go. And day one, they thought we were a bigger company. We showed up and within a month I had doormats. I was putting in white uniforms. I had my logos on my stuff. And when I, when people found out I was six months, eight months old, they're like, what the hell? How do you have 10 trucks? How do you have this stuff? And I'm like, look, I just reinvested every freaking penny I own. Cause I started with, I, you're a sales guy like me, sales guys. We do one thing we spend money and we spend it well. And I spent all my money. Every time, all the money I made, I was driving. My wife's driving an AMG Mercedes. I'm driving a nice truck. We got a nice house. We're buying nice things. So I was spending the money as fast as I was making it. So when I started my business, I had like ten grand. I had ten grand and a couple a couple trucks, and that was it. And I had to I had to hustle from day one. I didn't know how to get a loan. I didn't know how to go to the bank and tell show them a business plan. I didn't know how to do anything within a business. Did you have any business, a little bit of knowledge beforehand or not? Because I didn't even know how to set up a damn LLC. Like that was hard enough for me to figure out. I but figured I didn't figure it out. out. I figured the only <laughs> thing I knew, the only thing I knew when I started was 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 uh, being in the next star company. There's this exercise called the one truck exercise, and it's and it's meant to show technicians what it actually takes to run a business in terms of your hourly rate, what you need to charge. You can't charge $80 an hour. This one truck exercise shows you that you really need to be three, four, five hundred $500 an hour. You know what I mean? So I did know that. So that's the one thing that I did know is how to figure out my pricing from the get go. Um, aside from that, dude, I just freaking winged it and figured it out and researched and read and just, I read constantly, man, you know, just to learn. I think I think that's one thing, you know, watching you obviously on the East Coast. I've never really never met in person. I'm excited to finally meet you in October when you come out to the event. But 
you know, I can see it. You're like me, man. Like I'm always trying to figure out a way to get better, a way to get like way to get that edge over on people. Because if we sit there and we just show up every day and we go through the motions, we're never going to get better. I'm never satisfied with shit. Like we're, you know, mm. we're going to have, me gonna probably, I'm always we're digging. Gonna do, we're going to do 3 million this month. And I'm like, man, we could have probably done fucking four if I would have done <laughs> this, this and this. And, and that's where I spend half my day is like, okay, where can I, where can I, instead of like working in the business, like most people I'm working on it. Like, Oh shit, this department needs help this week. Okay. We're going to focus on this department. Let's, let's knock this out and make this more, more efficient. Hey, I can cut some money here. I can cut some money here. Hey, let's add this person. Let's make sure the training's knocked out. Is that kind of what you do all day? Obviously you said you don't have to be in the business, but you're there every day. So what do you, what is your day to day like? Honestly, dude, I like a simple, I like a simplistic approach, man. I mean, we're making money. The guy's numbers are good. I don't need to sit here and, and burn myself out on unnecessary KPIs. You know what I mean? If I got a guy that's struggling, that's one thing, but pretty much by and large, all my guys produce. And, you know, I just, I, I feel like a lot of people overcomplicate things, man. You know, they just overcomplicate things and get way too deep in the weeds, man. I like to just simplify. I like a nice, simple approach, man. You know, that's just the way I do things. You sound like a, you know, I talked to Billy Stevens a lot. He's a, he's a mentor of mine. And, and, and when I talk to him, that guy's a genius. Like that guy knows how to make these businesses make money. And that that's what his specialty is. Right. And I talked to him the same thing and he, and I, I gave him cause I have, you know, I do have a lot of KPIs I track just because it's what I tracked as a sales guy. I knew exactly because it, it knew, it told me what I was, what I need to focus on. Right. So for my sales department, I have a real and, and service department. I do have about 12 KPIs that I do track and, and those are letting me know what to train on that day. And I told Billy, I'm like, Hey, I, I want this KPI. And he's like, dude, why the hell does that KPI matter? It's simple. How many calls you're running? What's your average chicken? How many memberships you sold? And what the hell's on the bottom line? He's like, why, why are you worrying about that shit? And I'm like, man, you, like I, I want to, I just want to win so fucking bad. Like yeah. I want to be, I like, it's, if anybody talks to me right now, my only goal is to have the biggest company in Southern California within two years. I'm going nice. to pass everybody. And the, the mindset is like, that's where I'm at now. And I'm just like, how do I get it? How do I get it? And I'm keep, you know, I spend most of my day reaching out to other people asking, Hey, what did you do here? Who are you using for this? How are you doing this? What is this? Do you find yourself doing that? Do you have a network of people that you're consistently talking to? Cause I have like group chats with like some high level people and I'm just like, dude, I'm the little guy still. I'm just spitting ideas all day around. around Honestly, dude, I'm a loner, dude. I don't really talk to anyone. I keep to myself for the most part, you know? So not really. I've got some mentors that I speak to from time to time, but overall, man, you know, I know a lot of, I know a lot of guys out there just constantly talk to each other and I'm just not one of those dudes, man. I just kind of keep to myself. That's one way to go about it. I got, I got friends that are like that for me. Like I just, well, obviously I'm, you know, part of my business and part of what I do is obviously the influence thing, but I, I enjoy helping people. So I'm always talking, I take what I learned from those guys and I'm passing it down to the other people. And I, a lot of the people that I deal with and I help train don't have money. They're just starting out their business. The, the hard part when you start your business is no organization wants you, right? Because they, they think you're not worth the money because you're not going to spend money with them. So you don't have the money. They don't care. So I genuinely work, spend most of my time trying to help the little guy. How do I get him from point Me A to, to where a next star wants to take him? And, yeah. and that's that's where that's my sweet spot. Like a lot of people are like, do you want to be next star? Do you want to be this? No, I have a niche. And, and, and one of my mentors told me a niche will make you rich, right? My niche is that a startup to about two and a half, three million dollar company. I want to help get the three million and get them to that five. And I could pass them off to a next star. Someone that's going to be able right. to do that because yeah. nobody gives a shit about these guys. Exactly. And, and that's that's me too, man. I love helping the small guys, you know, because. I don't. I, I just feel like I can't. I, the way when I started my business, man, I, I just I had a knack for it or something. I don't know what the hell happened. I just figured it out. 
and when you talk to these people, these small guys out there just starting out, they just don't have a clue a lot of times, man. And I just love helping them. That that's I'm like you, man. That's my niche also. I love helping the little guys. That's why I'm so active on Facebook, man. You know, um, I just love helping people, dude. And that's what that's what made me so good in the field. That's what makes me, um, you know, a great leader in my business. And that's, you know, it's just what I like doing. So outside of work, you know, one of the things that stands off every time someone sees you, right? Obviously, you're you're in great shape, right? How big is fitness as part of your life as well? Because that's something that I've been really focusing on lately. I've been waking up every morning, drinking water, trying to wake up, meditate, stretch, work out, stuff like that. And I've seen such a drastic change in my personality and everything that I do. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of fitness in your in your lifestyle and your business? Well, it's huge because number one, um, if you want to feel great, you know, then you got to put great things into your body. You know what I mean? Like, like you can't eat fast food and drink sodas all day long and expect to feel good. And the problem is most people, that's the way they operate. And they don't even know how badly they feel until they come off all that crap, you know? Um, but I carry water bottle around with me constantly. I, I drink tons of water. Um, I've got a philosophy, man. I, you know, eat like a caveman. You know, what, 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 what did a caveman have, have available to him to, to eat? And that's what we should be freaking eating, you know, yeah. not, 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 you know what I mean? Um, like, I'm talking like like before uh, before uh, agriculture and grains and all that crap came into our diets. You know, eat like a freaking caveman, nuts and seeds and fruits and, uh, you know, meat and that kind of thing. Um, that's the main thing we should be eating is eating like a caveman. You know, if a caveman didn't have it, don't freaking eat it, man. You know, is, is, is that are you able to pass that along in your culture? Are you seeing some of your employees do it? Because we're leaders, right? And when they see us doing stuff, they usually want to attach on to it. That's yeah. really, I didn't really know before, but now I'm like, dude, I try to watch everything that I do because these guys are really looking up to me. Right. And even the guys on social media are looking up to me I'm like I got to be better. I got to be. Yeah, better. it's cool. I've had there's been this, this like huge like rush with a lot of my employees to get into the gym. And uh, it's pretty cool to see, especially this my this one guy that works for me, Jason. Uh, he's like. He's awesome, man. And uh, I just never would expect him to go to the gym, but he's been going to the gym and he's like cut back on his beer drinking and all this other stuff. So it's really cool to see, man. Yeah, I was up with it. It was actually like 1030 last night. I was I was talking to one of my top sales guys and he brought it up, man. He's like, I got to change. And because he's, you know, he's probably watching this right now, but, you know, he's getting a little out of weight, out of shape. He's doing stuff that he's normally not doing. He's eating too much, drinking too much. And he's messaging me this. And the funny thing, I was doing push-ups at the time. So I sent him a video and I'm doing push-ups. I'm like, come on, bro, let's step it up. Mm -hmm. And and this morning I talked to him. I said, because I gave him a I gave him a book to go, a, a, a audio book. I said, go listen to this audio book tonight before you go to bed. He's like, I'll listen to it tomorrow. I'm like, listen to it before you go to bed tonight, because you're gonna wake up tomorrow in a total different mood if you listen to it. So he listened to it. So I texted him this morning. He's like, dude, he's like, I listened to it last night and I couldn't help but get up at 5:30 this morning, drink a big glass of water and and start just stretching and started putting some more effort into myself. Yeah. And I've noticed a big difference because I, you know, I've been known to get a little wild and some people know me. I get wild, man. I just is what it is. It's been, it's been part of my life forever. And I'm trying to just get rid of that. Like I'm just trying to be the best version of myself every single day now. And that involves working out and doing these things because the if I if you're the leader in your business and you got yourself shit, your shit together. You're going to watch your employees all start. There's a higher level of expectation, right? Definitely. And, and I, Definitely. Um, 100%, dude. Um, it's, so it's, it's just cool to see. It's just cool to see the other, the other people, um, you know, like the people in the organization, you know, getting on board. It's pretty cool. Um, you know, and the other thing is like, you know, the human body is meant to work. The human body is not meant to sit in front of a computer. The human body is meant to work hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like go back to the caveman days, you know, we had, 
I don't know, 300,000 years of evolution in the human species before, you know, before, before we, we even know what farming was, you know what I mean? Um, and, and every day was a struggle to freaking survive, you know, and that is, that is ingrained in our species, man. And, and this modern era of packaged foods and, and just the modern era that we live in, it, it's all bullshit because our, our species has not evolved that way. Our species did not evolve, uh, you know, just living the way we've been living the past 75 years as, 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 a, as a human race, man. You know, so that's why I go back to the caveman, because we spent the most time as a species, as cavemen and living that kind of way, you know, um, that's just ingrained in us. Um, so, you know, we have to work hard. We have to lift heavy shit, you know, lift heavy shit, man. I love deadlifts, man. Nothing yeah. is better than a freaking deadlift, dude. You know, yeah. I, yeah, our man. body, our bodies are meant to work hard. We got to freaking work hard. Well, I, think, I, I think that's one of the things too, as, as entrepreneurs and even as a sales guy, right? Like we, we say we're too busy, right? And we're always too busy. We're always too busy. And then all of a sudden, if you really, you know, one thing I, you know, I'm going to challenge anybody that's listening to this or watching this podcast, right? Is go down and write down, just spend the whole day, write down everything you do, how long it took you and just write down, journal it for a couple of days. And you're going to go through that. And you're going to realize, dude, I had a lot of time. I just wasted doing nothing. Yeah. Doing nothing. And, and then you got to start thinking, okay, well, what can I, what can I move around? What can I make happen and squeeze in? Because we have to start as business owners. We don't take care of ourselves. You know, Ken Goodrich is a, is a good example, right? Ken, you know, up until about a year and a half ago, right. Or two years ago, you know, he was eating like shit, always traveling, doing all this stuff. And but you hear him now, you see him on the podcast. I saw Ken, I was in, I was in the Super Bowl with Ken. I saw him again, you know, eight, nine months later, total different fucking human. And it's because he he stopped caring about himself. And and you, and I saw a post today by someone and they're like, you know, you can put your health aside for, you know, for money, but in the end, you're going to be miserable anyways. Like it doesn't matter yeah. if you chase all the money you want, but if you don't take care of your body, you're going to be left at the end of it with nothing. You're going to be left with a, with a broken down body that you can't even enjoy the money that you earned. Right. Exactly. And, and, and those should be the best years of our lives, dude. You know, but my, my goal is to, my goal is to have, um, enough cash when I'm 50 years old in nine years, you know, to be able to basically do, do whatever I want. You know, I mean, like, like these are the best years of our lives, man. Like I don't want to be freaking riddled with illnesses and, and in and out of hospitals and crap, man. Like, you know, I know people that are very, very successful that are, you know, in their sixties and they are in their great shape and they live great lives, dude. That's what I'm trying to do, man. Like, you know? Yeah. And, and, I, got, and, and, I got away and, from it myself. Yeah. It's not hard to do, man. It's not hard to do. You know, when I started my business, I uh, took a real step back um, because before when I was an employee, like I didn't really have anything to focus on really in a sense, you know, but then when I started my business, now all my efforts going into my business and now it takes the energy away from my training, you know, but over the past kind of year and a half of, I've really kind of tried to refocus on the training and kind of get real back in, into track with my lifts and everything. Um, cause for the longest time I was just going in there and just, just to go in there just to maintain, just to say I did something, you know, yeah. um, that's better than nothing, but still, it, you know, I'm the type of dude where I need to push, I need to push, I need to get somewhere, you know? Well, like I said, from afar, like I said, it, it's a, it motivates me cause I see you and I'm like, man, he's, he's got a business, he's doing all this shit, but he's still in good shape. And that was something even watching, like, so there's other guys that I watched too. And I'm just like, man, I got to get my shit together. You cannot be a top performer unless you treat your body like a top performer is right. Like exactly. top athletes got to take care of himself every single day. So beyond that, if y'all listening, try to take care of yourselves, man. Let's, let's try to be better. If you're, if you're, if you're a better leader, you're in better shape. You look better. You're going to feel better. You're going to run a better business and you're going to have a better employees that are excited to work too. So 
outside of fitness stuff, we're jumping in. Now we're heading into, you're heading into year five now, right? You just passed up year four in business. Can we talk about where you're at, you know, revenue wise uh, or what you've done? What was your year one, year two, year three, or where was the big jumping point for you? Sure. So year one, um, I did like 339,000 and I was completely by myself. Um, year two, I did 1.3 million. Uh, year three, I did 1.8. Year four, I did 3.3. This year, we'll do four-ish, something like that, you know? Um, so that's kind of the trajectory that we've been on. What What do you think your your turning point in your business? Because obviously you went from being a one-man guy where you're doing everything, wearing every hat. When, what, what point did you make that decision to start bringing on more employees and start making it into a business and more of a, a machine rather than you being the machine? It was like ASAP, man. As soon as I started, I was like, I just had this goal of getting out of the truck. You know, we'll, we'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of back history on that because my, one of my huge goals was to be a next star company, which I've already, you know, explained to you that that was a huge goal of mine is to be a next star company. So I'm blowing up next star when I first start. Hey, what do I got to do to get in? What do I got to do to get? In? They're like, look, you got to be like 1.5 million and you got to be out of the truck. So boom, my goals. I got to be 1.5 million out of the truck. So from day one, Pretty much, I was like, I got to be out of the truck. You know what I mean? So, you know, it, it it was about a year later. It was February of 2019 when I got my office on Main Street. And I'm, you know, and I'm just winging all this shit, dude. And I've got an office I got to try to pay for. And, and, oh, yeah. and, I, and I hire a CSR. Put I a smile my, on your face. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and, you know, meanwhile, like like 10 grand in the bank or something or something insane. You know, it's like, you know, and um, and and I hire a plumber and everything. Um and then I hired my second plumber in that April and I handed my truck off to him. And that's when I came out of the truck. And it was just, it was always like it was always like, you know, uh, where else am I going? I don't want to be running a truck my whole life. You know, like where else am I going here? Like ultimately, ultimately what I want is freedom. I want an, I want I want an, I want an amazing amount of freedom to do whatever the hell I want. That's my ultimate goal in life. You know, I want to be able to travel, hang out with my wife, hang out with my kids and not really be tied to anything, man. And that's my ultimate goal in life. And I'm 41 years old. And um, my my goal is by the time I'm 50 years old, I want to have that amazing amount of freedom that I'm really after. So my question to you, and you just said goals, right? Are you writing down these goals? Are you putting oh, yeah. on them? Oh, no, every, every day. Let's talk about that. Every day. I mean, I've been huge in goals, man. I've been huge on goals for, God, for, for a long time. I remember, I remember, I remember back in like, I remember back in like 2009 or 2010, probably, man. Um, um, I was just writing these goals down and, all, and like and like visualizing uh, what I wanted out of life, almost in a sense, man. And then and then after, over the next couple of years, it just started to unfold, man. And I, and everything that I was writing down was actually happening. I was like, "Holy shit, this is crazy, dude!" You know, because it was so far out there. You know. Yeah. Um, but I've been very diligent on goals and visualization and putting emotion into the paper. You know, when I'm writing the goals down and just visualizing and just, and just knowing and knowing having, having a, a sense of ownership and speaking in terms of ownership in a sense, like, you know um, you know, when, when, when you speak your goals, you need to speak like, like you already have it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You need to speak like you've already, you already have it and you've already done it. You know um, that's just the, my, my approach to it. And I agree, man. And like, I think that was one of the big things that I didn't do. And a lot of people saw all the shit I was doing. 
I was doing everything flying by the seat of my pants. I had no goal, no direction, no nothing. I was just like, yes, man. Yes, yes, yes. Like a, I was like a, a lost puppy. Right. And I was just doing everything because it just felt good to me. And then I realized like over the last six months, I started cutting shit out. Like, Hey, that doesn't serve me. That doesn't serve me. That doesn't serve me. And I got down to the exact point of what I wanted. And now, you know, I write down my goals in the morning. I wake up and I'm writing down my goals. I got my, I got my daily goals, I got my monthly goals, yearly goals, and long term five year goals. Right. And I'm writing them down. And, and once you write that stuff down, then you have a direction and then it becomes real. And then once it becomes real, you start, you have a target to aim at because if you don't, it's just like if you're a sales guy or technician in the field, if you don't set a monthly goal, you're never going to hit that. You're never going to hit the number you want, right? You're never going to get where you want. So you got nothing to chase. So same thing goes with business ownership in life, right? Like write down the business you want in five years, I want this. And then you got to start thinking, what the hell is it going to take to get there? And then it gives you that motivation because you know what you need to do. You know, what you got to do day in and day out and you know where you're going. But if you don't write those down, you don't put that, those goals in place, you don't know where the hell you're going to go. And then all of a sudden you're, you're five years down the road and you're still wishing that in five years you're going to have the business you want rather than having the damn thing done already. So exactly, goals are, goals are huge, man. So huge because something happens, man, something about the universe. I don't know what it is. Nobody can explain it. But man, when you put things out into the universe, man, and you put good energy out to the universe, man, things come back to you and things happen, man. Absolutely. 100%. I've, so, I've said, I've been saying now for about a year that by the time I'm 40, I want to be a billionaire. And, and everybody tells me I'm fucking nuts, but I, that's cool. I, see, see, I, I don't, see, I, I can. No, you can, you can, because, and not only that, but you're, you're speaking in terms of ownership. You're speaking just, just like a few little while ago. And you said that you will be the biggest company in Southern California. You're, you're speaking in terms of ownership, like it, like it's already happened. Like, you know, that's what it takes, man. Like you, your mind is made up. Your mind's already made yeah. up. You're going to, you're going to do it, you know, yeah, and that's what it yeah. takes. It ha being being doing anything in life, you have to have an on. If you don't believe in your damn self, you don't have an unwavering belief. Like I believe tomorrow, if I lost everything, I would be a millionaire within twelve months again. Yeah. Okay, and I believe it. You got the drive. Be. I yeah. got the drive. I already know. I already know what I have to do, and I know what it takes to get there. It's like it's like when you first make your first hundred thousand dollars, right? It's hard to make your first hundred thousand. The second you make a hundred thousand dollars, you never make less than a hundred thousand dollars again the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. 2,000, 300,000, 400,000, you don't go backwards. Once you already know, you already got the recipe. I know how to make that happen. How do I go make something else happen? And a lot of guys don't realize that, like, just kind of get, set that goal, set an attainable goal, hit that. And once you hit that, you're never going to be worse than that. You're only going to be better than that. Mm -hmm. and, it, and a lot of times guys like to make such lofty goals out of, like, out way out of the park, which is great, but you also have to collect some wins. You have to start winning internally. You have to start collecting it's like picking up i picked it went up here went up here went up here and all of a sudden now i'm a winner i'm so used to winning and i continue to do it but if you set a goal where it's like super way out of there and you fall short and you don't win it kind of beats you up mentally so sometimes set and when you're first starting out set smaller goals that are obtainable just like when you first go start working out if you haven't worked out in five years and you go and try to work out right today like you did five years ago you're going to quit by day two or day three you're going to give up because your body's not ready for that you got to go start small start small start small win 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 and all of a sudden it's starting to start snowballing into these big giant wins and you're going to have that business that you want you want to have that life that you want you're going to have the health that you want right absolutely uh they're, they're huge man I, I could go back to my goal books from the first couple of years in business and it's just crazy how things have unfolded exactly as I had written, man. And, and sometimes it's not even exactly, you know, like I used to write that I wanted an office on Davis street, which is like the downtown area here in Culpeper. There's Davis street. It's beautiful. It's like, I love the downtown area. And I used to write, I, you know, I'm gonna have an office on Davis street. I'm gonna have an office on Davis street, you know, well, it turns out I got an office on main street, you know, which, yeah. is, which is even better because more cars drive by here. You know what I mean? Um, so it's just weird how things unfold, man, when you really put your mind to it. 
do you do you foresee Culpepper expanding? Like, are you are you going to try to just grow in that location as big as you possibly can, or do you see yourself, hey, maybe making an acquisition here and there? Is that in your future? Or are you more just focused on this one, keeping it simple, keeping it something that's manageable, or do you have like like for me, I got big ass goals, or yours like, hey, I want to grow this as big as possible. Is that your laser focus, or do you see Culpepper expanding into different markets uh, throughout the East Coast? I like to expand in different markets. You know, there's some neighboring markets around here. I, I love the small markets because it's like, it's just easy. It's like low hanging fruit almost, dude. You know, you get these small markets where it's just a bunch of people out there operating like it's 1987 and you come in here, you know, like blowing it up and make a splash on the scene like I did here in Culpepper. And these guys are like, these guys are like waking up, knocking the stars out of their eyes. Like, holy shit, where'd this guy even come from? Like, you know? Yeah. And I, it's just cool, man. I love the small markets. So there's tons of little small markets around there that I'd love to get into. Yeah, you know, I you could say that about the small market. It's the same thing with a big market. Like, there's still like in in where I'm at, there's a shit ton of contractors, but a lot of them are smaller guys, maybe four or five guys, employees or whatever. And I still remember as I'm starting out, I started hitting these guys in the mouth. Like, I started taking market share after market share after market share. Yep. And I remember in the I was in the parts house one day, and and a guy. They were talking about me, didn't know who I was. They're in there like, yeah, this, this the fucking guy, the HVAC man guy, he's taking all, he's taking all my fucking work. And I'm like, yeah, that guy's a real asshole. They're like, yeah, he's going to go out of business, blah, blah, blah. And it's me obviously talking to him. And I'm like, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm Victor, man. Nice to meet you. And they're like, oh, what, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I own Absolute Airflow. They're like, oh, I, I, I'm sorry, man. And That's too funny. Shit. And that's the same thing here, dude. Same thing here. Like. This is a small market. There's 15,000 people in this town that I'm in, in the town of Culpeper. In the county of Culpeper, there's like 54,000 or something like that. It's a small market, dude. And I've extracted over $3 million out of this tiny ass market. Like, you know, and me, me and my buddy were talking about this the other day. It's like, you know, you know, before I came to town, everyone else was getting that money. Now I've extracted this cash out of this market and this market share just continues to grow. It's just cool, yeah. man. It's, it's a neat thing. What's well, got to be fun too. I mean, obviously I've never lived in a smaller town, but I, I just got to imagine it'd be cool because you really like, you become almost like the rock star of that town. Everybody's going to know you. You only have oh. so many people live there. They got all your trucks. They're going to know who the hell you are. How does that oh, yeah, It's cool, man. It's cool because, you know, you see the truck coming from a mile away. I think it stands out. Dude. You know exactly who oh, yeah. it is, you know, you know, so it's cool. And we do a lot of stuff in the community. So, you know, we're, we're really well known here and it's just, you know, and uh, it's just cool because people come up and talk to me and say hi and stuff. And, you know, and I don't even know most of them most of the time, you know, it's just kind of weird. I don't know. It's cool though. You know, are you, are you really big involved in the community and stuff like that? Like if you have like, you know, I know there's, there's a company out in, uh, in, uh, big. where I go visit in Alabama, right. They Hanson's heating and air. And I went out there and I did an onsite with them and they, they pull the, they have Mardi Gras there in Alabama and they do, they pull all the floats in the Mardi Gras parade. So like that was where he dominated the market. All of a sudden, everybody knows him for the guys that pulls the float and, and out in that area. They grew that to a $50 million business. Is that kind of like what you are? You guys dominate, like everybody knows Culpepper everywhere. Everyone. Doing all the events. Everyone. And we're so involved in the community. So this, this magazine came out uh, like last week. I'm going to, I'm going to read you. I'm going to read right. you write-ups on two different companies. Okay. I'm going to read you a write-up on, on, a, on, a, on a competitor. I won't mention any names. And now I'm going to read you the write-up on my company, and 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 you'll notice the difference. Uh, let's see here. So, uh, uh, such and such company, locally owned and operated, uh, they operate a small uh, business uh, specializing in uh, electrical items, including uh, electrical for new construction, remodels, electrical car chargers, installation, panel upgrades, panel change outs, recess lighting, uh, custom lighting projects, service, authorized generac dealer, and much more. 
With an outstanding group of hardworking employees that take pride in the job, we provide neat, honest work, giving customers peace of mind when they reach out with their electrical needs. Okay, so you see that. That's all technical yeah. BS. Now, yeah, now, that's, that's, that's not going to stand out. That's not what customers buy. Customers don't care about that. And this is what I train my people on all the time. What do customers actually care about? I'll show you what customers actually care about. This is what customers care about. Bear with me. Bear with me. You oh, know, you're all they, good. They, they don't care about the, the freaking, they don't care before, about the electrical work. They don't care about the plumbing. You, before you get into that, right, this is a this is a process, you guys, if you guys are listening to this, go in and literally just think about the customer experience that you're providing right now. When your guy walks up, what's that experience? What, what does a customer feel like when you walk up? What do you look like? What does your doormats look like? And then once you guys write that down, and then write down exactly what the company that you want to look like, and then figure out what it's going to take for you to look like that company, feel like that company, and just reverse engineer it. You'll see your business grow massively. Like I know the customer experience from when they answer my phones to the time my technician shows up to when my install and crew shows up to when we close out. I know that entire process and I know what the customer is going through because I've, I've visualized it and made it exactly how I want it. So let's kind of hear what they have to say about you. All right, here. Culpepper Home Service is a local plumbing, electrical, and heating and air company located in Culpeper, Virginia, owned and operated by a local family. The FERS pride themselves on hiring only the most skilled, experienced technicians and support staff. Their number one goal is to provide exceptional customer service to customers in our community. Along with providing exceptional customer service, they also love supporting our community in many ways. When it comes to animals, they love supporting the local Humane Society, uh, the Culpeper Humane Society, and their annual Bitters for Critters online auction, the J.D. Bug and Topster Foundation's annual event, Wolf and Wag at the Winery, and many others. Additionally, they love supporting families and children in Culpeper. They donate multiple times a year to SAFE during their Halloween trunk or treat activities, golfing events through the Culpeper Police Department, as well as the Salem Volunteer Fire Department. They really love helping kids succeed by donating to the Culpeper uh, Technical Education Center and the Kelly Street Boxing Club. This year, they donated for the, uh, to the upcoming first ever Culpeper Rodeo as well. Some other sponsorships include the Culpeper Toy Test, the Jingle Bell Trot, and the annual Cars Freedom car and truck show donations were also contributed to the Culpepper soapbox derby association and the jewel tone art center craft event at Yall Meadow park they even sponsor the downtown third thursday summer concert series they enjoy supporting our local schools teachers and police departments part of their giving extends to funding shirts and equipment for sports teams providing free coffee and pastries for teachers at raven's nest coffee house during teacher appreciation week as well as offering free lunches to police officers at the grace to griddle food truck at Culpepper Home Services, they care about your home and your family. They truly love Culpepper and want to see it and the families that live there thrive. Like, that's what customers care about. They don't that, care, you know? Well, this circle back around, like now imagine that you're the, the customer seeing that, right? If I'm, if I'm, if I'm you and I'm guessing you're just like me. One of my meetings, my meetings are often, you know, I make my guys write down, you know, I was told you before I got on here, I make my guys every, every day, I'd, be, I'd make them write down five reasons why someone should buy today. But I also make them write down at least once a week, five, th five reasons on why they work here and why a customer should buy from us and why, the, why we're better, why, why we're the best choice for them, right? And one of the big things we always, I have my employees bring up are things you guys do in the community. Because if you aren't talking about the things you guys give back to, because people, you think people are really transactional, they're not. They want to know that their money is going to go do something good. They're going to want to know that their money is taking care of that employee. They're going to get benefits, 401k, paid vacation. My guys talk about all this stuff in the house and they ask the customer, do you think it's important that we do this? 
do you think it's important that you do business with a company that's going to go get back to your community? Does, you know, does a toy drive, does a turkey drive every year, does this stuff. Is that important to you? Or is this something where you just, they, you're happy if the company just takes your money and they go out of business in three years? Like, what is the conversation like? And if, if I, I bet, if I'm a betting man, you talk about all the things you guys do in the community, you guys are able to transfer that. And they have that feeling, that belief that like, man, I'm working for a company that gives a shit. Yep. And, 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 that, and that's huge. And that's what I tell my people all the time in, in, in training. It's like, you know, talk about the company, talk about how well you're taken care of. Like, that's what the customers are buying. They're not buying a water heater. They're buying the company, you know. And one of the things that we train on all the time, man, is like, what do the like, what's the customer actually care about? They don't care about the freaking water heater. They don't care about the HVAC system. They don't care about the electrical. You're supposed to do those things. You know, those are the things they're calling you for. The things they're not calling you for is the amazing experience that you're going to provide. You're going to play with their dog. You're going to entertain their child when their child wants to come in and look at the inside of the unit. You know, you're going to, you know, wash, the, you know, whatever. Like, like it's all, it's all the things that the customer cares about, you know, um, so I, it's, I learned that I learned that from Leland Smith. So Leland, we, they have a, you know, I started at service champions and he's one of the biggest companies here on the West coast. And one of his, there's their radio ads, everything they talk about good deeds for free. And as technicians, they used to teach us when we go into homes, look for good things you can do for free, right? If you got a rat in that attic, pull that rat out. If they got leaves, if you're up on the roof and they got leaves in that gutter, clear out that gutter. Yep. If you go and open a door and you hear the door going, eh, put a little oil on the hinge. Yep. Little stuff like that goes such a long way to a consumer that yep. you know you don't think about it's a big deal. It's not. It takes you a half a second. Yeah. It changes the way they think Same about that. Same thing. Business. Same thing that I train my guys on, man. Like, like the thing that I used to love doing when I was in the field was like we have storm doors here on the East Coast. I don't know if y'all have storm doors there on the West Coast or not, but you know they get these storm doors in their front door, and there's this little strut that you got to adjust, man. Right? Otherwise, you open the storm door and it just slams, dude. You know. And as yeah. a technician, now I've now it slows me down because now I've got to release the door slowly so it doesn't slam. Well, I'm gonna pull my screwdriver out. I'm gonna adjust that strut on that door, and I'm gonna open and close it 50 times to make sure it's just perfect for the customer. So that now I can come and go through this door and I don't have to sit here and gently close the door so it doesn't slam and wake the neighbors up. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So it's just those little things like that, that like most customers, you know, they just, they learn to live with so many other things, man. They learn to live with so many things. That's the other thing I train my guys on. It's like, like one exercise we did was like, you know, you know, list all the things uh, in, in your house that you could live with, like all the plumbing problems in your house that you could live with. OK, drippy falls, running toilet. OK, well, now they got a leaky water heater. All those problems still exist. And it's up to us to engage with the customer in a way that opens those doors where we can help the customer solve all these problems. I think that's I, I found in plumbing, you know, I, maybe I'm wrong, but from the plumbers I've dealt with, I feel like they have blinders on every house they go into. They're like leak here. I'm going there. That's it. And I'm like, dude, there is an entire plumbing system. If you're not doing a plumbing inspection, a whole house plumbing inspection on almost every call, you're losing money. It takes you an extra 30 minutes. But that extra 30 minutes is probably turned into thousands of dollars because guess what? They might have a leaky fucking hose bib they've been dealing with for two years. You go change that out for 250 bucks, 300 bucks, or whatever you want to charge for it. You change that hose bib, boom. All of a sudden, I went from a from a $200 ticket to a $500 ticket or whatever it is. It doesn't take you very long, but that customer is going to say, oh, I have that leaky faucet. Oh, I also have this. I also have this. Do you think you could take care of this? Yep. And all of a sudden, it snowballs, but you were just out there because of a, a, a knocking in their water heater or whatever it is. But you said, hey, while I'm here today, the last, the cool thing about working with, you know, I always say the cool thing about working with Absolute Airflows, when I leave here, I'm going to give you a 90-day warranty. If anything breaks, you, we're going to cover it as long as you allow me to do a full inspection on the house. So we do a full inspection. We go through everything. I say, hey, you got to do these five things, and I'll give you 90-day guarantee on everything. Perfect. Well, we're going to do those five things. And all of a sudden, now now we just went from a two three $300 ticket to a $2,000 ticket. 
We walked out. That customer's happy. They got a peace of mind. We took care of a bunch of stuff they weren't even thinking about doing, but they really wanted done. And we, everybody, it's a win-win. But if you go in there with the blinders on, you leave there, and they still got a leaky faucet, you didn't do your damn job. Yeah, and it's funny because I, I made a video in my mechanical room a couple of years ago, you know, or some, you know, to uh, to use in training. And 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 the point of the point of the video that I made was like, even I'm living with things that I would have corrected. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I'm on the video. I'm like, look, my panel's a mess. Like, I got wires all over the place. I said that this pipe is crooked. I said uh, I forget what it was with my HVAC system, but something with my HVAC system needed done. Like, and I'm living with all these things. But the, and yeah. that's the customers are the same way, man. They are living with things, but they don't call until they have an emergency. And once we and once we get that call for that emergency, it's our job to to engage with the customer. And one of the things I train my guys on is how you it's like how you how you ask the customer. You know, because I tested this when I was in the field. You can say, "Is there anything else that I can do for you?" Or do you need anything else or however you want to ask it, right? It's almost like a reflex. They'll say no. No. But if you yeah. say, but, but if you say, you know, what else can I help you with? What else can I do for you? When you ask it that way, it'll actually make them stop and think like, hmm, well, you know what? Well, actually, there is a strippy faucet, you know, or, or, or whatever. So it's all in how you communicate. And there's there's even something else that I, that I preach a lot, which is uh, permissive language versus transitional language, which is very, very important in life. Um, so permissive language would be, uh, hey, uh, can we go check your main valve so we can check your water pressure? The customer is going to say, ah, no, you know, it's messy down there. It's like, you don't want to go down there. Oh, okay, cool. Let me just fix your faucet and I'll get out of here. Or you could say, hey, uh, you got a drippy faucet. Let's go ahead and get your water pressure checked so I can make sure that's not a part a contributing factor so we can rule that out. And what? And then, okay, great. Where do you have to do that? Well, I can usually do it at the water here. Let's get down there and have a look. Boom, we're in front of all of our moneymakers, dude. PRV, main valve, water heater. I don't care if I was there. For a drippy faucet or a runny toilet, I was there for those three items every single call, dude. Well, the that same thing with if, if I go to and I teach my guys this, and this is what it separates the companies that make a shit ton of money and the guys that are doing repairs all day. So when my guys go to a broken air conditioner, guess what? Most of the time it's a capacitor or something basic, right? There's like four parts that go bad on an air conditioner. Well, most companies, they beeline right to the air conditioner. And I teach my guys, I'm like, that air conditioner doesn't fucking matter. An hour from now, that air conditioner is still going to be broken. That part's still going to be going there. When I go talk to that customer and say, hey, look, I kind of see what the, what's going on here. I kind of have an idea what's causing it. But the last thing I want to do is go fix this part and not check out the entire system. And all of a sudden, you're calling me back in 30 days. While I'm already here, do you mind if I switch this diagnostic into a tune-up? I'm not going to charge you any extra. I'm going to go ahead and do a tune-up on the system so I can guarantee you when I leave here, you don't have to call me again because you'd be mad if I fix this part and all of a sudden you got to call me back in two weeks and this thing's not working, right? Correct? And the cool thing is if you allow me to check everything and I fix this part today, I'll give you a 90-day breakdown guarantee. All of a sudden, that customer changes. They're not paying any extra. You're going to do a bunch of extra work and it gives you a green light to go check the furnace, check the coil, check the ductwork, check the attic, whatever it is you're checking out. And now, guess what? Now I now I painted a picture how everything on the inside is causing what's going on on the outside. So I can go ahead and fix this part. But you have all this other stuff going on. Do you want to go ahead and fix this part or do you want to look at a long-term solution, right? So that's how I'm able to trick those, those diagnostics where you're, those guys are in and out in 30 minutes. My guys are on a diagnostic for three hours. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and I want them there on three hours because they're going to go sell 20 to $30,000. That's, that that's, that's how you serve the customer, dude, because the customer has needs and, and you have to uncover these needs in order to serve them. It's all about serving people. That's our foundation here. Serving people. Yes, sir. You know, well, looks like we're, we're about it. We're about to the hour Mark Russell. And, and normally I, you know, I try to cut it off around there. Is there anything like if you were to speak to a guy that's starting out today, that's or someone that's thinking about having that entrepreneurial seizure. What is something you would tell them? This is how I want to kind of end every episode. What is something you would tell that person that's just starting out or thinking about starting out? What would you say to them? 
Um, let's see. Present your company on a silver platter. Uh, you know, appear larger than you are. Uh, don't be cheap. Don't go buy a van with no bins in it. Like nothing drives me crazier than seeing a guy go buy a truck with no bins. It's like, dude, get a freaking outfit package. It's $3,500, dude. Yet you're just going to sit here all weekend long filling around two by fours and plywood and shit for some building some bins that are probably going to fall over. Like, dude, do it right, man. Do it right. Price yourself right and do it right. Don't pull up in some piece of crap and jeans and a t-shirt. Like, you know, spend the money, do it right. And if you're priced correctly, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do it right. You know, when people sit here and act like they don't have money for a new truck or something, it's like, well, why don't you have money for a new truck? Do you have calls? Y'all got plenty of calls. Well, the, the, the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, two plus two equals four, man. You know, I don't Hell know. Yeah, man. It drives me crazy. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes you got, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But Russell, <laughs> man, it, it was a, it was a pleasure. This is the first time we really had a conversation. I'm really impressed from, you know, from afar, from a, you know, from a bird's eye view, it looks like you got a great business and from talking to you, you seem like a great person. And I'm really excited that we, we kind of go on this journey together because we started at the same time. I cannot wait to see where both of us are at in five years, man. I'm super excited. I'm also very excited to see you in October. So if you guys are coming out to my Service Rocket Growth Summit, uh, you get to meet Russell in person. It's going to be October 20th through 22nd. Uh, if you guys listen to the podcast, we still have the $250 off uh, ticket. If you guys are interested, go ahead and uh, reach out to me or reach out to Tim. We'll go ahead and get you taken care of. Russell, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. I I'm excited for you and your business. Is Any last words you want to say? No, nah, man, just thanks for having me on, Victor. I've been watching you for a while and you're doing cool stuff, man. You're, uh, you know, you're definitely an inspiration for a lot of people out there. Yes, sir, man. That's, that's, that's the goal, man. Inspire and help as many people as I can. And the same thing I could tell that same, that same culture is inside of you, man. And, and I just, like I said, I love watching good people. I love talking to good people and I'm really excited to see what we do, man. So thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, this episode is going to go live uh, on Apple and Spotify by Monday. Uh, Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to my Spotify. Subscribe to my Apple. Uh, it means a lot to me that you guys are listening. And my goal is that every single week I'm going to bring you high-level content with great speakers and great people on here uh, to help you and your business get better. Russell, you have a good rest of your day, man. Thanks, Victor. You too, man. See ya.